Hey everyone, before we get into today's podcast, I want to tell you about Blue Wire Hustle, a brand new program where you can host your very own podcast here at Blue Wire. Hustle is created to give everyone the opportunity to take your podcast to the next level. Or if you want to host a podcast and just don't know where to start, Hustle is the perfect place for you. As part of the program, you'll receive personal cover art, Q&As with Blue Wire's top podcasters, access to the community board, and an e-learning course full of tips and tricks. And on top of that, we'll help you get your show pushed out to Apple, Spotify, Google, Stitcher, and all other listening platforms. And the best part, you can get all this for only $15 a month, the same rate as any other hosting site would charge you just for the initial setup. So whether you're starting from scratch or have an existing show that you want to grow, Hustle is an open door to leveling up your sports experience. Acceptance into the program is limited. So get your application in today. To apply, go to bwhustle.com slash join. Thank you for everyone that has tuned into 52 Weeks of Hustle so far. I've had a lot of fun sitting down with industry leaders. In addition, I've written a book, Hustle Your Way to Success in Sports Sales. It's a playbook to being elite in the sports business industry. Whether you're looking to get in this business or you already are and you're looking to continue to grow your career, I believe this book can be beneficial for you. The paperback and ebook versions are now available. Check out 52weeksofhustle.com. Thank you in advance and enjoy this week's episode. Welcome to 52 Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Event Dynamic specializes in maximizing revenue and increasing attendance. I'm Travis Apple and I'll be your host of this podcast. I've been fortunate to spend my entire career in the sports sales industry and I wanted the opportunity to give back to give back to those individuals that want to get in this business or for those individuals that are in this business that want to continue to excel at an elite level. For those of you who know me, hustle has always been important, hence the name. Each week, I'm going to have the opportunity to sit down with industry professionals to talk about their career path, what it takes to be successful, and ultimately a few key takeaways for you to apply to your everyday. Without further ado, our guest this week, many people dream of having a career in this industry and many often think, how cool would it be to experience multiple different leagues? This next individual has worked for teams in the NBA, NHL, MLB, NFL, and MLS, plus a stop at the AHL league office and some time with StubHub. All of this experience has helped him land the vice president of sales role with Orlando City SC, Orlando Pride, and Orlando City USL. Our next guest is Chris Spano. Chris, welcome to the show. Thanks, Travis. Appreciate you having me on and certainly looking forward to this. Chris, always a pleasure talking to you, and you've certainly had a great career, and I'm looking forward to diving into it and having our listeners getting a better understanding of not only have you been successful, but also have you quickly have worked up the ranks. So let's start at the beginning. You grow up in Springfield, Massachusetts, the home of the Basketball Hall of Fame. Did you always know you wanted to work in sports? Travis, I, I didn't know I wanted to work in sports in high school. I had no idea that sports was an option for me in college and I I didn't know I wanted to work in sports when I got out of college. So hopefully you can see some sort of a theme there. Yeah. yeah. So we're going to dive into that because I know a lot of our listeners have had that same feeling or are certainly feeling that of like, what am I going to do? And so you end up going to Bentley university, which is a business school there in mass. How did you end up going there? So the, the thought process when I was looking at schools was I was pretty sure I was going to stay in the Northeast because there, there's a lot of good schools up here. Um, I, I wanted to major in, in business basically because I had no idea what I wanted to do. So I felt like that would give me the best advantage to be versatile, you know, if and when I uh, decided on a, on a career and an industry. And then I think 
most of all, I was looking for a school that had less than 5,000 students. And the thought process behind that was, you know, I would, I would have smaller classes. I would, you know, have more intimate relationships with teachers and professors and get to know my, my classmates. Um, and I just thought it would provide me with a, a better, more well-rounded um, education. And then specifically, you know, Bentley, for, for me, you know, with a management major, they really allowed you to kind of craft your own curriculum and you could really build, you know, versus like, for example, if you're majoring in finance, like you were, your curriculum was 95% based on finance classes and 5% based on everything else. Whereas in, in the management field, it was, you know, 95%, like you pick and choose how you want to build your major. And then 5% will be the, the, the mandatory stuff. So really kind of allowed me to like put in a lot of really practical classes into my education. Um, and, you know, and, and Bentley, for those of you that know, that sits probably about 15 miles away from Boston. So it, it gave me kind of the, what we call the Bentley bubble experience, of, <laughs> you know, in a school of three, 4,000 people, but, you know, having my first real exposure to the big city when I needed it. So, Yep. You know, of all the decisions I've probably made in my life, Bentley was up there in terms of one of the best ones. No, that's awesome. You obviously enjoyed your experience there. And you previously mentioned, Chris, like you still, even at graduation, you weren't sure what to do. And that's when the toughest challenge is coming. And that's finding that first job. Walk us through that. You end up getting an opportunity in Orlando to start with the magic. But how did that role come about? How did you know, all right, hey, sports is an option for me? Yeah, that's that's a great question. Um, so Bentley didn't didn't even have you know sports management, nor did I even know at that time that sports management was even a, a an option at any school. So a a buddy of mine that graduated a couple of years before me from my same high school when when I graduated from Bentley worked for the Miami Heat, and you know I, I was speaking with him, and he told me like you know you can get a you can build a career in sports ticket sales. Ticket sales is the easiest way to get into sports and I can get you an invitation to the NBA career fair, which was in Indianapolis at that time. And, you know, when he was talking about sports ticket sales, I was still kind of naive and, and green to thinking, oh, hey, what does this mean that when people come through the turnstiles, I'm ripping tickets and that's sports ticket sales. And, yeah. you know, if so, great, because maybe I'll get to work in a really cool arena. And in any case, um, you know, I, I, you know, go to Indianapolis, uh, to the NBA career fair. And immediately this is one of the most overwhelming experiences of my life. Like in our, in the hotel, in a ballroom, you open the doors one morning and there's 30 NBA teams sitting in there in booths and there's no real format other than at this time, it go up to any team that you want and you have a you have 30 seconds to give them their your elevator pitch so that you can be invited back the next day for a formal interview for a part-time inside sales job with no benefits. Yep. So, you know, go there, there open it the is. doors. Yeah, there it is, right? Like there it is. I graduated college. Here's the opportunity in front of me. So, you know, open the doors, interview with teams, you know, get some callbacks. And then ultimately choose the Orlando Magic. And, and I'll tell you the, the theme that you'll hear from me a lot, Travis, in terms of you know why I chose the Magic was 
the instant connection I had with the gentleman that was going to be my boss there, Bobby Bridges. And, you know, as, as for me as someone that never, you know, I didn't really move too far away from home to, to go to college. So this was going to be kind of my first real leap of faith as a, you know, personally and professionally. And, you know, Bobby was just someone that I felt like if I was going to make this leap of faith and move to Orlando, not knowing anybody, like he was someone I felt like at the time I could really trust to put my career, my, my, my career in his hands. Um, and I was also pretty excited at the magic. We're going to build a smaller inside sales program where I was going to be one of eight. So, you know, kind of going back to the whole Bentley theme of, you know, smaller class, more intimate, more training, more hands-on, um, really, really solid place to start my career. Nice. No. And, and, you know, I, I've mentioned on this podcast, very similar to you, I didn't know what I was going to get into. And, you know, I was graduating college and trying to think, Oh, what's going to go on. And, and that's how I ended up land, landing in Atlanta, similar to how in Orlando, but I guess now onto the other side and you're hiring a lot of people and, and a lot of people for their first job. A lot of our listeners probably know this business exists now, but what advice do you have for the listeners that are looking to get in for the first time or land that next role with the sports team? You know, that maybe you've learned from your experience as well as, as hiring now. My, my, my one piece of advice is, is be willing to have as many conversations as you could possibly have, regardless of people, if people have positions open, um, like, like start to learn from people, start to learn what's most important to people. And the biggest thing is that, is that the executives that are willing to give you some time are the ones that if you're, if you're employed with them in the future, will be continue to be willing to give you some time. So I think that that's, that's really important because the one thing that you want to do is put your career in the hands of the right person and people who are selfish, selfless, like, obviously, I, I feel like I'm one of those people. I know you're one of those people. Like you're, you're willing to give people time and invest in them, you know, whether they're in college, they're in inside sales, they're your second in command. Um, the theme doesn't change. So continue to keep having those conversations and continue to seek out that person that's willing to invest in you to say that you're worth it and that will help you move up as they move up. Yep, exactly. It's all about the people. You know, money, title, and responsibility are always follow as long as you're led by the right people. And so, you know, you you had a lot of great training, uh, a lot of great, you know, uh, from Bobby and from the entire Magic staff. So after spending a year with the Magic, you get the opportunity to, to somewhat go back home, go back to Massachusetts, working for the Boston Bruins and TD Garden. Why was that ultimately the right move for you? So that's a really interesting uh, question, and it goes back to informational interviewing. I was, I was approaching my end of the, the inside sales program in or Orlando, which, which pretty much had a hard stop. And I ended, I was, I was home um, for the, the holidays and I, I reached out to a gentleman by the name of Joe Janiszewski, who was with the Boston Red Sox at the time, heading up corporate partnerships and who now is the CRO CMO of the, the Texas Rangers. And um, I just asked Joe if, if he would be willing to speak with me about what careers with the Boston Red Sox would be like, because I was going to be in town and I just wanted to yep. maximize my time. And Joe said, I'll absolutely be willing to speak with you. I just want to preface this by we don't have any open positions available. Fine. So I, I drive out to Fenway, you know, going to Fenway, my hometown team, yeah. um, going to Fenway Park, 
you know, talk with Joe. I'm still naive at this point and thinking like, hey, if I really make a good impression, he'll find a, a role for me. I was fortunate enough to make a really good impression. And he was fortunate to keep his word and say, you know, they didn't really have any opportunities. But while I was in his office, he said that he believed that Amy Latimer, who was the senior vice president of sales for the Boston Bruins and TD Garden, had account executive uh, job openings. And while I was in Joe's office, he called Amy, spoke with Amy. So I drove from Fenway to the garden that same day, interviewed with Amy and took a group sales account executive position that day and basically went to Orlando, packed up my bags and headed for Boston. So that's the, you know, the epitome of hustle, right? Mike dropped right there. Like you, you go in and just to have a conversation, you you're willing to pivot and be ready to go. <laughs> you get an interview, you land it and you move and you start, you start your next journey in your career. It, it was, it was really interesting, Travis, because I remember driving home to my, my parents' house that day and they were like, how'd it go? And I was like, well, I, I now work for the Boston Bruins. And my dad was like, what? <laughs> yeah. And I'm like, yeah, it's, you know, I drove, drove to Fenway, did an informational interview and came home with a job from the, from a different the team. Bruins. Right, with, it, with a different team, which is why I say, you know, take as many conversations as you can, because I, I was a, you know, wet behind the ears inside sales rep it, with a gentleman that was a VP of corporate partnerships for, you know, the, the Boston Red Sox and Fenway Sports Group, who was willing to take the time to meet with me. Yep. And, you know, I, I would have gladly worked for him, but it, it couldn't have worked out any better. That's awesome. Well, ultimately with the Bruins, you work your way up as a group sales manager and you and the team hit every goal that was in front of you for the five plus years you were with the team. What made you and your team just so successful during that time? Well, I think that the biggest thing that made us so successful is we stopped looking at the TD Garden as a place where we were going to play hockey. And we started looking at it as a place where we could really generate revenue in non-traditional ways with non-traditional fans. So, you know, when, when I took over the helmet at group sales, you know, we started looking at, okay, well, you know, let's, let's try to create 20 assets that we can sell to non-traditional fans. So you might not necessarily want to come out and see the, the Bruins play the Panthers on Tuesday night, but your kid could play hockey before the game. Your kid could play hockey during an intermission. If you had a dance or a karate group, for example, you could perform on the concourse, you could sing the the national anthem. So we had all these different ways that we were injecting into our, our business plan where we could attract these performance groups and non-traditional fans to, you know, come out and, and take part in this, you know, entertainment venue, not this hockey venue. You know, that was one way. Um, the second way was we, we were yeah, at that time really injecting for the first time variable and, and dynamic pricing into our, our business model, right? So, you know, we, we could look at ways where on a Saturday night against the Red Wings, we could get more revenue than on a Tuesday night against a, a lesser opponent. So we really looked at like, how, how can we truly, you know, maximize revenue from a pricing perspective based on, you know, opponent and, you know, time of year and, and date. So, you know, we, we really started to dive into the the data and um, re really kind of, you know, took advantage from it from there. And then, you know, when it comes down to just brass tacks, you know, one of my biggest things has always been, you know, training and development of the staff. So, you know, before I, you know, took the reins in group sales, it was really group sales driving almost a hundred percent of 
our group sales revenue. And it was just a huge missed opportunity because we weren't capitalizing on our current season ticket holders um, who may also be a part of a, who might coach their son or daughter's a lot of cross selling opportunities, a lot of cross selling opportunities. So we really looked at training and development from, you know, not just the group sales team, but the inside sales team, the season ticket sales team, and most of all the customer service team. So when you really started to look at that and really try to make group sales a total team focus, you know, th- those three things are what really brought us from a middle of the pack group sales team when I took over to leading the league in, in group sales after the first year. Yeah, no, absolutely. And so, you know, as, as you, to your point with five plus years there at the Bruins, you worked your way up from an account executive to overseeing the group business. And I think a question that's often brought up, you know, and certainly some advice for our listeners that are kind of in that leadership and training or want to be leaders is how hard it is to go from selling one day to leading your friends and peers the next. So how is that transition for you? So I, I think there's two really hard things, I think, in sports ticket sales. I think one is graduating from inside sales to that account executive level because you go in into inside sales and you're one of 10 or one of 20. And there's a lot of success stories out there about the people that made the transition, but there's not there's nothing really out there about most of the people that don't make it, you know, f- through that that first hurdle. And I think the second really true challenge is being a peer to someone on Monday and then being asked to manage them on Tuesday. For me, I was really fortunate because one year into being with the Bruins, we brought in a new director of ticket sales and service, Lee Castrogini, who came to us from the magic. And at the time when she came in, I was an account executive. And I remember showing up at her door the first day and saying, I want to manage the group sales team. Like, can we work on a path for me to get there? And for her, the biggest thing that the the most important thing for her was that I would be, I would assume the role without the title and that as an account executive, I would still be our highest uh, performing account executive. I would still surpass my goals, but that I would do all the other things that a group sales manager was asked to do without the title for a period of time. So that when I ascended, by the time I ascended into the role, it, it was a no-brainer to my peers that I, I was I was I was already in the role. I was just getting a different title, and that's the way that I've gone on to kind of manage, like with my management and training program that I put people through. Now, it, the biggest thing is that you are you are the leader, and that you're perceived as the leader before you actually get that role. So I think that that's a really important process because if not, you end up sending somebody into that role and they, they, they haven't done the job or they haven't earned the respect and you're just not setting people up for long-term success. And, and I really look at this as like, how do you set people up for the marathon, not the sprint? Yep. And, and this business is to that point. It's a great analogy, right? It's a true marathon, not a sprint. And I think it's putting yourself leading by example, always willing to roll up your sleeves where it's an easy transition, right? The peers aren't sitting back yep. saying he got that job. It's like, that makes a ton of sense that he got that job. Yep. Um, you know, and so, so Chris, after five plus years with the Bruins, 
You moved back out of Massachusetts and about as far away as possible out to San Diego, where you start working with the Padres in premium sales. So, you know, really, you know, now the second time moving away from friends and family, how difficult was that decision and any advice for the listeners that may have to go through that one day? I think the, the, the reason I went to San Diego was the reason I went to Orlando was for a person, not a job or a team or a title. And the funny, the funny story about the, the San Diego Padres was Travis was when, when I was serving as a group sales manager for the Bruins, the VP of sales and service for the Padres, Jared Dillon at the time, who's now the CRO CMO with Vinick sports and entertainment had randomly called our ticket sales line and was looking for my boss at the time who was Amy Latimer uh, because he and his wife were going to be coming to Boston and, and they were looking to take a tour of the garden and, and take in a game. So I happened to be taking the call because everybody was out at lunch and spoke with Jared and said, yeah, Hey, I'll, I'll host you guys at a game in a suite, give you a tour around the garden, tour you the building. Um, and by the way, here are the top 10 things I would do if, if I was coming to Boston for the first time. So, yeah. you know, met Jared and his wife, you know, toured them around the building, sat down with them for the game, really hit it off. And, you know, months later, Jared was calling me, you know, to come out and, and, and really be a, a selling manager out with the, the San Diego Padres as they were going through this premium sales, you know, transformation and really coming up with new products, new pricing, uh, new, a new way to sell. And, you know, transparently, the, the Padres on paper wasn't the best opportunity that I had in front of me. There were, there were other clubs, there were better titles, there was more responsibility. And the reason that I chose the Padres was to be a part of that leadership group and to really, you know, align myself with the right pack alliance. I was going to align myself with Jared Dillon and Jonathan Tillman and Brent Stellick and Tom Garfinkel. And that at that point was the most important thing for me in my career was to just be, you know, one, one of their guys. Yep. And, and that was really the, the mindset behind that move. And again, it's, it all comes down to the working for the right people right people and, and right opportunity. And so you after spending some time in San Diego, you move back to the Northeast to Connecticut and go to the vendor side, working for the beast of StubHub. You know, I guess as you look back at that, why was that the right move? And what were some key learnings you took from that experience? The StubHub move was, was really interesting, Travis, because I, I, I didn't, I wasn't really ready to leave San Diego. I wasn't looking to leave San Diego, but, you know, fortunately I created a reputation for myself of, of being really strong in, you know, hospitality sales and, and generating ancillary revenue, you know, with, with my time at the Bruins and, and really transforming the, you know, every single space in the garden into a, you know, a, a monetizable asset and then going out to San Diego and, and doing something similar. Um, you know, there, there were several people at StubHub that reached out and said, you know, we're, we're looking to start this, you know, what is going to start with a national sales team and, and eventually, you know, go international where we want you to build this team from the ground up and, and really sell major and mid-major event packages nationwide. And that's everything from travel to dining, to tickets, to hospitality, to sponsorship, like the whole gamut. 
So for me, you know, that, that was, that was my real opportunity to, you know, a manage a, a national team that would be based both in-house and strategically uh, across the country, but, but also get to, you know, I'm not just selling and servicing one team anymore. You know, we, we were selling 25 to 30 different events, you know, nationwide. So that, that was really the, you know, the, that, that opportunity came up out of the blue and it was a chance to build something. Um, and it was a chance to just, you know, basically be on a, a national platform. So it, it, it kind of just fell into my lap and, and it couldn't have worked out any better. The NBA is back in action and football is heading into the playoffs. You might not be at a game this year, but you can still be in on the action at Bet Online. Bet Online is going the extra mile to make sure you can get in on every possible chance to win this season. From game spreads and totals to team, player, and coaching props, Bet Online gives you more options to wager than anywhere else. You can get in on their season opening bonuses today and start off wagering on wins, divisions, and championship futures all day, every day. Head to Bet Online today and take advantage of all the great sign up bonuses. Don't forget to use promo code BLUEWIRE at betonline.ag. That's BLUEWIRE, all one word. Again, we're here on 52 Weeks of Hustle. The guest today, Chris Spano, Vice President of Sales for Orlando City. So, Chris, after spending some time in the NHL, MLB, and then StubHub, you make the move back to the team side, and this time back south. Uh, couldn't get her out of Florida, which I completely understand, to Tampa yep. Bay to work for the Buccaneers. And this opportunity was a little bit different as you helped open and start NFL's first regional sales office. How was that experience for you? So I, I knew when I went to StubHub at some point that I, I wanted to get back onto the, the team side of the business, but it had to be the, the right opportunity. And, and again, the theme of, of, of this podcast, the, the right leadership group. So when, when the opportunity in, in Tampa presented itself, there were a couple of reasons why I was willing to leave a really good job at StubHub. One, first and foremost, it was for Ben Milsom, who's their chief ticketing officer and someone that I couldn't have any more respect for in the industry and someone that's done more for me in my career than, than most. So that was the, the first reason I was willing to consider it. Uh, secondly, it, the opening regional offices in sports is something that had never been done before. And I wanted to take that leap of faith. And I believed in Ben and believed in our business plan and wanted to be on the cutting edge of that. Um, the third reason was it gave me a very entrepreneurial job in that the really the the sales, the service, the event management, the the marketing efforts, the advertising efforts that we were going to produce in these regional offices were would all fall on me. So if we had a lot of success, I was part of that that plan. If it if it failed, it was my fault. But I, I was I, I wanted to take that risk and really branch out of just focusing on sales and service and kind of, you know, dip my pen into, you know, marketing, CR, PR, event management, and, and truly build businesses from the, the ground up. And, you know, the fourth really appealing thing for me to go to Tampa was the, the stadium renovations. They were, they were going to be on the cutting edge of new products, new hospitality spaces, and I, I really wanted to be a part of that leadership team and a part of that process. 
No, absolutely. And you know, to that point of having that entrepreneurial experience with everything as you were opening those regional sales offices, I mean, you were finding a location for the office, negotiating the lease and much more. And your team goes on to crush it. You had a lot of success with certainly not only the selling of the Buccaneers product, but also career growth for a lot of the team members. So of all the successful people you had on the team back then, but also currently, what were they doing to just stand out? The the most successful people, Travis, that I've ever managed have two really big things in common. One, they're coachable and two, they're competitive. And, you know, I know that when you go through the interview process, people, everybody tells you they're coachable and everybody tells you you're competitive. But I, I, I found fewer and fewer people out there that truly have the grit and truly have the desire to be number one and that really genuinely hate to lose. And my, my staff on the Buccaneers, our pedigree was that we were not going to lose. And I had a staff that was exactly made up that way to a point where when we were bringing on new people, new people walked into our office on the first day and, and they knew they could feel that, that culture. Like they could feel that we were going to be first in, last out, not hitting goals was not an option. We were going to do whatever it took with integrity um, to bring our business to the next level. So I, I didn't even have to go through the, the speech with, with any new hires because my core just, it, they just, they just saw it and they just exemplified it. And, and, and that's just, that's just the way we rolled. Yeah. And, and to your point of, you know, a lot of leader in training programs, when you're in training, when you're interviewing people, a lot of times you ask that question, do you love to win or hate to lose? you know, and it's that hate to lose mentality that, that everybody wants to see. And so you, after uh, almost four years with the Buccaneers organization, you end up heading back to Massachusetts again to work in the league office for the American hockey league. And so, uh, you know, a lot of our guests here on 52 weeks of hustle have had team experience within the NBA. And I know you're very familiar with that. So yep. you know, as you moved on to the American hockey league, again, back home, you know, why was that decision made? And, you know, was, was working with the AHL similar as far as responsibilities I think at some at some point I was always always hoping to be able to serve a, a league in a, a team boat type role throughout my career if the the timing made sense for me and I was particularly interested in the American Hockey League they had a really good reputation for their team services platform and and one thing that really was important to me was to be able to to lead that that team, both from a best practices and an analytics standpoint. So that call for me came at a really, you know, interesting point in my life. I'd served, you know, four and a half years with the, the Tampa Bay Buccaneers. Again, no intention of, of really leaving, but um, I was, you know, I'm married just about to, to have our, our first child and, you know, Massachusetts was home for us. And, you know, I got the call from the president CEO of the American hockey league to head up club services. And it's always been one of my biggest passions uh, in life is, is to give back. And I felt like, you know, in being in club services, this would give me an opportunity to travel around to 31 different teams and 31 different businesses and help these team owners and these team presidents grow their businesses but also to help to hire, train, and develop talent and to really, you know, teach these professionals how to sell. And, and you know the drill, like at, at 
at the minor league level, there's no such thing as an inbound phone call. Like right. you, you gotta, you gotta grind and you gotta be gritty and you gotta be resilient and relentless in, in everything that you do. And, you know, these teams were so appreciative of the training and development that they got and it helped them tremendously. And, and, and that was my, that was my why for, for going to the AHL. Nice. No, that's great. And, you know, after a few years back home, you must have probably gotten cold again and, and had to make the move back to Florida, this time with Orlando City, where you're currently at. And you've been there over a year now as the vice president of sales. And we've had several guests that have worked in the emerging MLS. So why was that a good fit for you? Well, I think first and foremost, someone was trying to tell me, like, get yourself back to Florida and stay in Florida. So, <laughs> you know, I, I think that there's, there's certainly – you know, there, there's the appeal there, but you know, I think for, for me, you know, the, the MLS is a growing league that, you know, it's a um, it's, it's a major sport, but I think that, you know, on the business side, it's still up and coming. So I think it, it allowed for me to go in and have kind of this minor league business mentality where we were going to have to be gritty and relentless again, and really, you know, build out, you know, the, these non-traditional revenue streams that I had been sharing with, you know, the AHL for the, the past two years and, and to put, and to be able to put them into play at the, the major league level and, you know, being able to be the, the head of, of sales and serve, I think for me, at some point, I was always hoping that someday I would get the shot to be able to put all of the, you know, ideas and best practices that I had been put in play at various levels at the, the highest level. So, you know, to, to be able to have a chance to sit on the exec team here with Orlando city and to be able to, you know, to put my plan, you know, into place was something that was really appealing for me. No, absolutely. And so with Orlando city, you oversee ticketing, premium analytics, ticket operations, game day operations, not only for the MLS club, but also for the national women's soccer league, as well as the USL franchise. And so what does a day-to-day look like for you? You know, for for me, I, Travis, I, I equate this as the same thing as being uh, a head coach in in football. I, I don't I don't know I don't know at all. Like I have really good people that work alongside of me, and my my day to day is making sure that first and foremost in the ticketing department that, that all of our projects and priorities are in alignment, that our communication within our department is streamlined and we're all focused on the same thing. We're all going in the right direction. And beyond that is working with my fellow members on the executive team to make sure that our collaboration is airtight and that the other departments have what they need from us in what they deem as a reasonable time to, to have that. So, you know, I think that any success that we've had here in Orlando city is, is, directly attributed to the experts that I have that work, you know, underneath me as my offensive and, and defensive coordinators and, and coaches and, and, and things like that. And, and again, I'm, I'm just serving here as the orchestra conductor. No, absolutely. And Chris, obviously the MLS franchise is the main priority, but you certainly can't just check the box with the other two properties that you're in charge of. And so how are you prioritizing you and your team's time? So it's, it's, it's a great question. Um, you know, we, we spend dedicated time every week on our, our women's team and our USL 
minor league team where, you know, our, our sales team and our service team is directly focused on selling and servicing those two franchises. Cause when, when we, when we recruit people and even the people we have now, it's, you don't work for Orlando city. Like you work for Orlando city, the Orlando pride and Orlando city B and all of those franchises need love. You know, the one thing that we stay away from down here is trying to, you know, intermix our, our, our day to day, right? Like we don't want people calling, making an Orlando city call, then an Orlando pride call, then an OCB call. So what we're trying to dedicate specific time every day, every week, every month into attacking one franchise specifically. Um, but transparently, we also have to keep in mind, you know, where, you know, when, when you look at our company as a whole, what percentage of revenue comes from our MLS team, our NWSL team, and our, our, our USL team. And, you know, we're, we're having to make business decisions based on, you know, how big each of those pots are. And what revenue streams. So for the yep. listeners that are selling for multiple teams or multiple properties, much like you and your staff, what is some advice that you would give? Make, make sure that your best quality is your time management and make sure that if you're not able to, if you're in a position where you're a seller or you're in service and you're not exactly sure, you know, how every hour of every day is supposed to be spent, that that's a part of your one-on-one conversations with your supervisors to confirm that. If you, if you leave on a Monday and you don't know what every hour of your day looks like on a Tuesday, then that's a huge miss. And when you're doing something, focus on one thing at a time. And the people that don't let themselves veer off from their schedule will be the people that will sit in the executive team shoes at some point. No, absolutely. And Chris, you've certainly had a great career and a fun journey. As, as you look back throughout your time and not only working with multiple different leagues on the league level, a vendor space, what has been your best memory throughout? Well, selfishly, as a salesperson, I'm going to give you three. Um, my, fir- my first one was the day that we achieved our group sales goal when I was the, a first year manager with the, the Boston Bruins. I'll never forget that day um, because it was the first time in my career that I wasn't just responsible for hitting an individual goal. I was responsible for coming up with a strategy where we would hit a, a company-wide goal and it would take a, a total team effort. So that, that certainly for me was, was, was one. And then the other two, um, I, I had two, two people that I'm, I'm very, very passionate about that work for me for the Buccaneers. Um, the first one, Courtney Grovat, seeing her, being promoted, you know, from my staff into the the group sales leadership position with the Buccaneers was emotional for me because, you know, she was, she was my first hire with the Bucs. If she's listening, she's, she fought me on, on everything that we, (laughs) that I I tried to, to, to coach, to coach her on. She second guessed me on everything that um, we, we talked about, but she, she bought into the process and bought into it harder than, than anyone. And, you know, to have conversations with her, you know, today, you know, manager to manager is, is really humbling for me. And the, the last one is, um, is, is Cameron Cadell, who's, who serves as my number two here in Orlando city, who I know, you know, he's my, 
director of, of sales and he was with me with the Buccaneers and we were able to work together to get him his first management job, which was a huge first management job managing the national sales center in Indianapolis for IMG Learfield ticket solutions. So, you know, for someone to go from an individual contributor into, you know, managing a national sales platform for a huge company was again, I, I use the word emotional for me. So, you know, those are, you know, my three fondest memories so far. All about the people, you know, and, and you're not only working around the right people, but getting your, your people to, to the next biggest things in the elite level. And so Chris, this has been great. Pretty cool to hear from someone that's worked with several different leagues, certainly the vendor side, as well as league offices. And to close it out, I'd like to put our guests on the hustle hot seat. So you ready for this? As ready as I'll ever be, man. All right, Chris. Well, you're going to sail around the world. What are you naming your boat? I'm going to name my boat, pay it forward. All right. I like it. Um, I like it. And, and, and hopefully at some point, Travis, if I'm lucky to, to have a boat, it'll be uh, it'll be pay it forward and dot, 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 because it'll be parked next to your boat in Biscayne Boulevard. <laughs> and uh, with your boat being, being hustle, we're going to have pay it forward and hustle. hustle. Exactly. And it's definitely going to be in Florida. Period. Point it's blank. It's going to be in Florida. And I'm going to have, I'm going to have to sell a lot more tickets through event dynamic um, <laughs> to, to get us to that point. We're, we're up for the task. Well, so yep. if, you know, obviously having children, you, you probably come across cartoons. So if you could hang out with a cartoon character, who would you choose and why? Oh, um, I'll tell you, this is, this is, this won't be a cartoon for, for my kids. But for for me, one of my my favorite kind of wind down, don't think about it too much, uh, cartoons is Family Guy. So <laughs> I'm uh, I'm gonna choose to hang out with with Peter Griffin because um, he cares about his family, um, loves to have fun, and I think whenever his friends are with him, you never know what could happen. So if if I've got to kind of wind down with somebody on a, a week weekend he wouldn't be such a bad choice there you go good choice and you as as you're winding down and maybe you're winding down with your wife watching some tv and maybe you guys watch some reality tv if you were to be on a reality tv show what would you be on i'm a hell's kitchen guy travis yeah, and, right. and I'll, I'll tell you i'll tell you why i think that gordon gordon ramsey is is firm but fair and you know i'm looking to be surrounded by people that are comfortable being in the fire and, you know, the expectations on the show are high. The, the quality expectations are, are high. There's a lot of pressure, but there's, it, it, it's very fruitful if you end up on the good side. I was going to say, I, I look forward to seeing that one day. Well, Chris, to close it out, what are three key takeaways you would give every listener to be in your shoes one day? The, the first is certainly choose, choose the person that you, you want to work for. Regardless of, you know, if you're, you know, the, in, in the, the start of your career, um, or even, even if you're in, in, in my seat, Travis, you know, choose, choose someone to be your boss. Um, the next one is always be a problem solver, not a problem provider. Like we're constantly presented with problems and there's a laundry list of people outside my office that are willing to give you problems be, be someone that's going to be the problem solver. And my, my third piece is take the path less traveled, you know, seek out the hard jobs and, and do them well. Um, you know, approach your bosses, ask them 
something that's really hard that's on their plate that you can potentially take off and and do it well. Chris couldn't believe, couldn't agree anymore with all of those. You know, as as what your constant theme has been here on Fifty Two Weeks also today is is choosing the right people. You've you've made that that right move, and to your point, it might have been the path less traveled, but it was for the right people. And you know, I love it. You know, come to every meeting, every opportunity with a solution, not another problem. And you know, Chris, again, thank you so much for your time. You've certainly had a great career, and it's always a pleasure talking to you. And I really appreciate the time and expertise today. Same here, Travis. I, I really appreciate you asking me to be on, and I certainly appreciate you know our our friendship and 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 partnership between Orlando City and Event Dynamics. So, um, thank you so much, Chris. Certainly appreciate it. Again, this is Travis Apple. Thank you for listening to Fifty Two Weeks of Hustle presented by Event Dynamic. Please be sure to follow the podcast and watch on YouTube. We're also on Twitter and Instagram, so follow us at Fifty Two Weeks of Hustle. We'll be back next week with another industry leader. Have a great week. Whether you're a world-class athlete or a podcaster like me, we all understand the importance of mental and physical well-being and proper recovery for top-notch performance. That's why I'm excited that Unified Healing is sponsoring podcasts on the Blue Wire Network. Unified Healing is a new and super innovative global network of wellness centers powered by Energy Enhancement System, or EE System. If you haven't heard of the EE System yet, then you'll want to listen up. This technology promotes wellness, deep relaxation, purification, and rejuvenation. Wherever you are across the globe, access to a center is easy and affordable. Interested in experiencing the EE System technology for yourself? Go to unifiedhealing.com slash bluewire to learn more and find a center near you. That's unified, U-N-I-F-Y-D, healing.com slash bluewire. No material or testimonials on the Unified Healing website are intended to be viewed as medical advice or a substitute for professional medical advice, diagnosis, or treatment. Always seek the advice of your physician or other qualified healthcare provider with any questions you may have regarding a medical condition or treatment and before undertaking a new healthcare regimen, including EE system.